welcome back to season two of the Product Marketing Experts podcast. I'm so excited to have you back with us. And today I have with me Grace, the Director of Product Marketing at Udemy for Business. Grace and I have an incredible conversation about everyone's favorite topic as a product marketer, product launches. And not just how you execute them flawlessly, but how you plan and strategize as a leader of that launch. How do you cross-functionally strategize between your product team? This is a conversation you're not going to want to miss for any upcoming launch that you have. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. Clue is the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers that want to drive revenue for their business. It helps product marketers to easily collect, curate, and distribute insights that enable your revenue teams to beat their competition. All right, welcome everyone back to Product Marketing Expert Season 2. We are so excited to have you. I'm here today with Grace from Udemy. Grace is the Director of Product Marketing for Udemy for Business, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with her. Grace is a veteran product marketer, and we'll talk a lot on this episode about product launches, planning for product launches, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the podcast, Grace. Thank you for being here. And as we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Udemy? Yes. Hi, Jeffrey. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be on this podcast. Thank you. As you mentioned, I run product marketing at Udemy for Business, and you've been there for probably three and a half years. For those that are unfamiliar with Udemy, we are the world's largest learning marketplace where global experts come and teach real-world skills. For Udemy for Business, what we do is we curate the best content from the Udemy marketplace to help companies around the world upskill and stay ahead. I have been in the product marketing field for probably 15 years. Time flies and I truly love this field. It has continuously brought me so much joy and I'm learning every day about product marketing as well, which is why I'm still so excited about this field. That is so awesome. As the saying goes, right? If you truly enjoy your job, you don't truly you know, work a, a day in your life, right? So to speak. And I am also another one of those folks who truly love product marketing and feel like I found that calling. So it's great to connect with you. Great to chat with you for and find another person who feels the same way. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. With Clue, you can build and deliver battle cards to help sales close more deals stay on top of your competitor's strategies, and measure your competitive program's impact to the bottom line. Don't just compete, compete to win. Awesome. So I want to first talk about credibility. You've talked a lot on Sharebird and other places about building kind of a relationship across other groups. And, and product marketing is naturally one of those roles, right? That interfaces with the product team and the demand gen team, customer marketing, mm -hmm. and, and so many more, right? And yep. Credibility, I think at least, is the kind of staple or, or maybe cornerstone of that. So maybe if you could, just for a minute here, like how do you build that credibility effectively? Yeah, that's the great question. And I think that it is something product marketers struggle with, but also, you know, have a great opportunity to create that type of impact and um, credibility within the organization. I think this is where stakeholder management and relationship building is foundational, right? You got to start by really having insight into the needs of the business on all of those different teams that you just mentioned. It's about building relationship across product, demand gen, customer marketing, sales, CS, 
right? It's talking to them and really understanding how their team operates and functions. Because once you do so, you're able to craft your strategy and your go-to-market that really speaks again to the needs of those teams, right? So if you think about just, for example, launches, right? Go-to-market launches, we can't think of them as being one-dimensional, right? So we all have checklists for our launches, but I think when you understand the needs of the business, you have to be flexible and fit it to the different demands and structures of the teams. And as you do so, that's where you start building the credibility, right? These team leads, they start understanding, hey, these product marketers are listening to us and they are adjusting or kind of really crafting their strategy to the business and to what these leaders have talked about. And so I think that's why communication is also really key in building that credibility. And then again, as I mentioned earlier, is to show that impact through your deliverables and through, again, that relationship building, because it goes a really long way. And I think that's my first initial thought when I think about building credibility. The second piece I would say is, I actually heard this from another product marketer, but it is all about authority or actually influence without authority, right? But I kind of like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's hard, right? But I think of it as in my perspective, I think my personal touch to that is influence through empathy. And I think it is kind of that first point I talked about, which is understanding the needs and the challenges of the business is that when you put yourself in the shoes of these different teams, you are able to be more credible. You are able to speak to kind of the distinct need of those areas. Yeah. And then I think the third part I would say is I'm a big sports fan. And and I think that PMM, I sometimes see them as being the quarterback of, you know, launches of business strategy, and you really need to have a team that trusts you. And as you are able to deliver as you are able to build the right strategy, connect the dots on different, you know, areas of needs, you know, that's where your team really kind of functions as one whole and you can operate seamlessly and successfully. Yeah, I totally agree, Grace. And, and communication, especially in this time during the pandemic where most of us are really virtually all of us, right, are working remotely or at least in a distributed environment is so critically important. I yep. have heard throughout my career, despite being remote or not, that over-communication is so key mm-hmm. to being a PMM. And I've really been trying to emphasize that across my team, iterable as well. And it's just so important. And I love the influence without authority piece too and the quarterbacking of launches, it's so important for us to be that kind of cross-functional glue, so to speak, and really unify all those teams in a way that doesn't typically happen, I think, without PMM. Absolutely. Just out of curiosity, Jeffrey, when you say you guys over-communicate, is that via Slack or you know meetings? How do you guys you know, make sure that things are heard and communicated within your org? Yeah, it's a great question. So for us, it really means a few things. Number one, in our team Slack channel, we are consistently posting not only what projects we're working on, but different things that we're hearing from maybe the product team or mm-hmm. the sales team about competition or you know whatever the case may be. And yeah. it's not about who hears this first or there's, there's really no ego in it at all, which I think goes a long way to providing collaboration in many yeah. respects, right? And so that's the first thing. Number two is based off the projects that we do have, we're fairly good. It's not to say that there's not room for improvement. There there always is, in my opinion, pretty much anything, but we're pretty good about posting up 
updates to our central wiki, to Slack channels that are open and public to, you know, maybe the company or to different teams within the company. And we also drive these meetings internally that we just call tiger teams that mm-hmm, include mm-hmm. people from these cross-functional roles, whether it's CS or product or others. And mm-hmm. so through those tiger team meetings, we drive the agenda, we distribute information and knowledge that then mm-hmm. kind of filters down to the teams as well. Yeah. How about you? How do you do it? Yeah, I think very similar. Unfortunately, in this time of remote work, we depend a little too much on Slack. May it be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we really try to over-communicate because there's just a lot being missed when you're not face-to-face. And Udemy for Business right now is at a very high growth stage. So we have new hires all the time. And I think that though that's super exciting, it also gives me anxiety because I want them to be well-trained and prepared and understand, you know, what's coming down the line, you know? And so when we're so reliant on Slack, you just have to make sure that you're in the right channels, that you're communicating in an effective way. Second is, as you kind of mentioned, reoccurring meetings, just making sure that, hey, if there's one product launch or one initiative or one announcement that you need to get across to not just deliver it in Slack, but to touch it upon in a meeting that you might have with those cross-functional teams. And then the third thing is um, we actually send out a weekly update to all the go-to-market teams. This was something that my manager had created before she had left, but we're carrying on the tour. And it's something, yeah, it's something that's just dependable where all the teams know, hey, I need to go to my Sunday update to read what's happening in the business and what's kind of key that I should take away. And it's kind of a funny thing because we all used to dread updating this on Sundays, but I think now that I own it, it's so impactful to the organization just again, to have this reoccurring update that comes in their mailbox every Sunday night, Monday morning. And it becomes a source where our teams know that they can go to if they missed something in a Slack announcement or in a meeting. So I think those are our primary three ways. Definitely so much room for improvement though. So, you know, I'm always looking for more recommendations. So thank you for offering yours. Yeah, for sure. And thank you. I love that idea of a Sunday update. It's not something I currently do, but I may have to steal that idea if that's okay. <laughs> and I think as leaders, that collaboration, that sense of communication right now, especially is incredibly important. And for my conversations with a lot of product marketing leaders across different businesses, I think it also relays back to planning, right? That we're all on Zooms or if you don't use Zoom, like something similar these days. And so I want to talk just a little bit about the role of launches and how to really effectively and strategically think about launches. But like before we get there, how do you and the team at Udemy think about quarterly or maybe yearly planning, whatever that cadence looks like? And how do launches fit into that? Because I think something that a lot of senior product marketers, a lot of aspiring product marketers, a lot of product marketing leaders even think about or struggle with or something that I hear quite frequently is how do I fit my product launch into the broader theme of what marketing is doing? Oh, for sure. I think that's something that's always on our mind. Something that you need to do, you know you need to do, but it can actually be pretty difficult, especially in a time of remote work, especially when you have so many different stakeholders and teams to keep up to date. But at Udemy and within my own team, again, that over-communication is really important. But I think that one key part of effective planning is to have a close relationship and partnership with your product managers and the product leaders. 
So from my perspective, having a really close tie relationship with the product leads within Udemy is helpful in understanding what's coming down three months, six months, nine months, a year out. That helps me to understand how to think about our strategy. And then obviously within each PMM on my team, they have those weeklies with their PMs. So they are in the know in terms of, again, what's coming down the pipeline. Right. So when we think about going into a new year, we have an idea right, of the tactical launches that's going to be happening. But I think from the leader perspective, you really have to start thinking about planning strategy and overarching themes that is going to be paramount to your successful go-to-market plans. And then, you know, obviously the OKR development, being able to then understand, okay, well, we have an idea, right, of this is the theme that we want to go to. But what does that mean when it comes to the actual product development? And that's when those weekly come in handy to be able to understand, okay, this is what's coming through our research, through our discussions with customers, with go-to-market teams. And then that way you can start planning for, okay, this is what this quarter is going to look like, or this is going to be what this half is going to look like. That's planning with the product. We also do obvious planning with marketing. That is something we do probably, you know, check in every quarter, but the big ones are each half right? We think about those big ticket items that we really have to rally around. And that's where we really need the support of our program managers, Asana, <laughs> you know, of having offsites for leaders within marketing. And so all of these, you know, play into a really kind of well-constructed and by no means is it perfect. It's just that we know that there's these milestones that we have to reach so that planning becomes a little bit more effective each year. But I would say those are kind of the main ways that we think about it and are trying to, again, make it more well-oiled, make it really much more seamless. And again, speaking to our global remote workforce right now, but it is something that is a challenge, I would say, in our day-to-day. For sure. And I totally understand how much of a challenge it truly can be. And actually, my planning process at Iterable is fairly similar to what you just mentioned. So good to hear that, but certainly can be a challenge to as the market moves so quickly mm-hmm. with not only the competitive landscape, but how buyers are changing, especially, you know, not to tie everything back to the pandemic, but it has truly changed how people interact with, I think, technology and different kind of applications and whatnot. So as that really drastically changes and as we come to the tail end of this, I hope at least crossing my fingers, but it can be you know, really, really important to truly sit down, step back, mm-hmm. plan out what those themes are for the quarter or the half and execute against those. Yep, absolutely. And, and flexibility, right? I think that's a key trait that you need to have as a product marketer is to be able to understand that things are going to change and you're going to have to react and there's no point in kind of lamenting, but you just have to move forward. So I think that's something I've learned too, when it comes to reacting to what you're saying, the market, you know, I think that's so important. Agreed. Yeah, definitely early on in my career and, and really throughout my career, there have certainly been plenty of launches that I've worked on that have suddenly shifted in the 11th hour, so to speak, and have changed. And it can be frustrating, right? Like, let's not sweep that under the rug as a product marketer. It can be frustrating because you've put all this time and effort and all this thought and like poured your heart and soul into this and suddenly it shifts, but you are hundred percent correct that you can't get hung up on that moment. What's important is being adaptable and, and truly shifting with the business. I think that's one of the core traits that I look for in a lot of Mm -hmm. product marketers because it does separate out folks who are really exceptional in my opinion. 
I completely agree. As an example from last year, right, as you mentioned, the pandemic really kind of had to make us think on our heels. And, you know, I remember that our planning was all about digital transformation that first quarter. But with the pandemic, we really had to change gears and think about how do you support working remotely in a pandemic when you are needing to accelerate a lot of digital practices within organizations, right? And so we had to change our content, you know, focus. And for the product marketers on my team, you know, the messaging really had to adjust to, again, the new times. And so I think that to your point, being able to have that ability to, you know, just flex on those muscles of being able to think on your feet and react to the times is so, critical, especially in the new world of work that we that we live in today. 100% agree, Grace, and appreciate your candor there and sharing your thoughts and what you've been through as well. So I just want to switch gears just a little bit. We talked a little bit about product launches to start this, and I want to really circle back to that because it's obviously a key piece of what product marketers do. It's certainly not the only piece, but I think it is a, a large part of obviously what a lot of product marketers and product marketing teams overall are doing. So you mentioned planning and how you have a good understanding of what's coming on you know, maybe a quarterly and a half and, and even a yearly basis. Based off that knowledge of what's you know maybe coming down in the roadmap, so to speak, how do you turn that into those product themes that you're going to use on maybe a quarterly basis? And how do you decide kind of what takes priority and what will be kind of launched when, so to speak? That's a great question. We, from a planning perspective, it's a fun exercise just to throw everything out in terms of what's launching. I think it's so important to, when you think about it internally, right, you're just, you know, checking the list of, okay, all the things that I need to do for this plan, right, for this launch, how to make it effective, how to drive impact across the different teams so that they know how important these launches are. But it helps to take a step back to think about, you know, now that you have everything on paper of what's happening, it helps to take a step back and and to think about the customer perspective, what it means for them to be on the other side of receiving these launches or these new upgrades to their solution. And I think that's where it becomes a little bit more transformational in the planning is that you can start to lump these product launches into those bigger themes and then how to think about the delivery back to the customer. So what I mean by that is, you know, we might have a ton of launches around, you know, our analytics analytics dashboards for customers throughout the first half, right? But to get these ad hoc announcements of upgrades and improvements is not going to be very effective for our customers. But if you are able to, you know, really effectively collect them and ladder them up to a bigger theme. So actionable insights, right? Here at Udemy for Business, we're here to help you drive actionable insights. What that means is A, B, C, and D. Then it becomes one, easier for you to plan because you're really kind of rallying around one overall theme. But then for the customer, it makes a lot more sense. And then if you think about the delivery aspect, it, it's easier on the CS team to be able to bundle all of these and deliver it as a uniform and meaningful message back to customers. So I think that's one approach that I, I do like taking, which is kind of making it really meaningful and having a kind of a point and not just, you know, again, launching features, but really thinking about the value that it delivers to the customers. And then that's when I think everything kind of comes together. 
I love that so much. And I just could not agree more with truly that perspective shift from we're launching this feature to what's important for the customer and putting it in their perspective. It's crucial in your positioning and messaging. It's crucial in how you really turn that into a process. I'm curious, I think a lot of product marketers talk about, and frankly, a lot of companies talk about being customer centric. How do you at Udemy make that customer centricity across your products and across those themes, like how do you turn it into a process essentially, right? How do you ensure that your team is being customer centric and that they are kind of adhering to some of those themes? Yeah. One thing that I love about Udemy is that everyone loves sharing. (laughs) And I think that feedback is so important at Udemy. We call feedback as fuel. And I completely agree. So we have these Slack channels set up where we truly just collect customer feedback coming from sales, CS product. And I think that as a PMM, it's so important to read through those comments. So they're not just comments on product functionality or thoughts and feedback from customers, but even reading support tickets, right? Like understanding how the customers interact with your product and understanding, okay, what does this mean, right? That kind of gives you a perspective on the interaction of our customers with product. But then through those comes themes of just the needs of our customers, right? It's one thing to read a support ticket and say, okay, they're having trouble with X, Y, and Z, but why are they having that trouble? And what are they trying to accomplish? So once you start doing that, that really helps illuminate the customer pain point and challenge. Two, you know, listening to sales calls is illuminating. (laughs) Totally. You know, as product marketers, Jeffrey, I'm sure you do this, you're there crafting messages, you know, narratives, sales decks for the sales team. But when you actually see it in practice, it completely is a different experience. And it's actually humbling sometimes when you're like, oh, it didn't hit as well as I thought it would. But, you know, I think that that's where we get better is that actually listening to the teams talk to customers, whether you're CS or sales. And then you realize like, hey, you know, as a product marketer, you really have to understand the sales and CS motions and really start crafting the tools and the resources and the messaging that's actually practical and usable by them. But that's where you get a little bit more customer centric each day. So listening in on calls, reading customer feedback, and then third is actually spending time with customers. I think as a product marketer, you think it's a no-brainer to spend time with customers, but sometimes it's not that easy, right? There's no direct channel or there's no, you know, really kind of time for that, but it's so valuable, whether it's through betas where you get to interact with customers or through maybe customer advisory boards or even just through research, these are three great avenues for you to spend time to listen in and to be able to speak to them too. So my team conducts their own research at times and you know they do a really good job just to have that conversation with customers and then bring those insights back to our launches, to the product teams, to messaging. So I would say those are kind of the areas that we are trying to be more customer centric. But I would love to, you know, again, hear a little bit from you, you know, you're a veteran yourself. How have you been able to bring in that customer feedback? It's so important, but again, can be one of those challenging things that we face day to day. For sure. hundred percent agree. And by the way, I love all of those suggestions and and those ideas. Hopefully everyone listening is using at least one or two of those, if not all of those, or at least it gives them some ideas of how they can be more customer centric as well. But for me, I'll talk a little bit about my time at HubSpot real quick here, since I spent nearly six years there. And I think HubSpot does an exceptional job staying connected to customers. They use technologies similar like Gong, for example, where, you know, marketers can listen to, to sales calls, which 
is pretty awesome. And I've certainly used throughout my career, continue to use in my career and talking to a whole lot of customers, running customer mm -hmm. advisory boards certainly has been on the radar. And one thing in addition to what you mentioned as well is they started this voice of customer kind of group. And the group actually stemmed out of the CS org. And that group specifically was responsible for NPS and collecting NPS data, but they also talked a ton to customers. There wasn't a day that went by that they didn't have multiple calls with customers. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so we as product marketers would sit in on some of those calls and or just listen to the recordings of those calls. In addition to that, as the roadmap was being planned, the design and UX team would pull us into almost these like design thinking or strategic calls to plan out what a solution could potentially look like. And we would be able to get in some questions about the market or how they think about solutions in that market, all sorts of stuff like that. And throughout the development cycle, it wasn't just that one time, but throughout the development cycle, we could really have opportunities to do that. And so <laughs> through all of those touch points, in addition to the fact that the product marketing team had its own kind of sub team built in for market research, we conducted a whole lot of information that gave us a really good vantage point on the market and how we mm -hmm. could not only position and tell narratives, but how we could make these communications truly customer-centric. And I think today, a lot of what we're trying to do is really just stay in touch with what customers need and want on a day-in and day-out basis, because yeah. as we've already talked about, some of those things are changing fairly rapidly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I, I really love that process, HubSpot. I, I think it brings in all of these different teams so that everyone can bring in a perspective, but also feel so fulfilled from the customer feedback, right? That's great. Exactly. So when we think about launches, I think a lot of people think about the moment of launch or they think about the process leading up to launch. I think one thing that doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion, at least, is internal marketing, right? Mm. It's the internal drumbeat, so to speak. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you think about this at Udemy. How do you prepare yourself or your team or the broader organization in the lead up to and during a launch? Yeah, I think that admittedly, this is something that I've just been learning over the past few years, you know, and to your point, it's so important. Why is it important? Well, I mean, it really rallies the go-to-market teams around the importance of what you're launching. It creates excitement. And then there is also the element of being able to do some training while you're doing this type of internal marketing as well on, you know, what's changing, why we're doing what we're doing, the solution that it's bringing for customers. And especially when there's just so much happening across the business business, you really have to break through that noise to, you know, market what this launch is all about. So totally agree that that's foundational. And I think that the way that we do at Udemy, there's still a ton of room for improvement, but we make sure that the launches and the whys behind it is presented at reoccurring meetings, right? So it's not just a, you know, one announcement during sales all hands and then, hey, we're launching it next week, but you have to do it regularly. And it's dependent on, you know, the caliber of the launch as well. For some of our bigger launches, you know, those reoccurring meetings remind everyone, hey, this is coming, this is coming. And then when you, start to do the enablement training, everything kind of comes together and makes sense, right? They start to associate, oh yeah, we, we heard about this three months ago. Now we're actually getting the training. Oh, I understand the importance. And then also just making sure that, you know, all areas of the business have visibility into it. 
right? So it's not just with sales and CS, but you know, you're letting PR know so that they might not have an announcement about it, but they understand, oh, okay, this is important to, you know, this side of the business. And I think that leading up to the launches, you know, those tactical reminders and trainings are important, but also, you know, fun calendar invites of like, this is happening on this day. It just generates that excitement. Back in the days where we were all in the office, we would actually do breakfasts, you know, the day of big launches. Food always brings people together, you know, and that's <laughs> totally. like, that's always going to be a point of, you know, excitement and gathering. So, you know, one of the things that we did is, you know, we would have launch breakfast and everyone would get in the kitchen, get really excited, or we would, you know, send out cookies to our remote teams. And it's, again, driving that awareness, but also, you know, appreciation for the teams that were involved. And then three, just making a kind of that feel of, hey, we're all in it together. And this is a celebration, you know, and I think that's the type of thing that we try to carry out from the point of, you know, even letting the teams know that it's happening. I think that's how I think about internal marketing. But again, there's a lot of different definitions. Do you think about it in a similar way? Or am I kind of not answering that question? No, you really nailed the question. So thank you. But I think about it in a fairly similar way. I do think that kind of consistent drumbeat, the consistent reinforcement of (laughs) the messaging, the importance of the product or feature to your customer facing teams is incredibly important. It can't just be a a one and done. And actually, I think that's why I reinforce to, to my PMMs within their launch plan that you're not just creating a launch plan for a specific day, you're Mm -hmm. creating a launch plan that that spans a period of time that encompasses adoption as well. And I think that helps change their mindset a little bit to say, oh, oh, okay, like this isn't just a singular event. This is, you know, consistent, not to keep using this term, but drumbeat, I guess, so to speak. And that really even applies before the launch, as we've been talking about with internal marketing. I think the other thing that I've seen work fairly well, and it's not to say that every company has to do this, but is incentivizing employees to help share, like building almost a, a gamification element into the launch where you're incentivizing employees to share messages across social mm. and making it fun for them to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to maybe record a video of themselves and share that on LinkedIn or share out the specific message, but in their own way or what this product means to them. All of those types of things can actually really, really help spread the word. I can't remember the name of the company off the top of my head at least, but it was probably two or maybe three years ago at this point, there was a product launch and every single one of their employees posted on LinkedIn videos. And I could couldn't go that day without checking LinkedIn and seeing one of their employees or somebody from that. And I'm not connected to a ton of people from the company either, Uh um, maybe a small number, but couldn't scroll through LinkedIn without seeing one of their messages. And that I think was fairly powerful for that organization where they truly kind of like took over the moment. And I think it's empowering for a lot of employees too, because it gives them a sense of owning the message, taking that foundational positioning and messaging that you've come up with and truly applying it and sharing it out to the world. Yeah, that's so creative. I think I'm going to use that. <laughs> well, but yeah, and it gives people a sense of, I think you mentioned it, a sense of ownership that, hey, you know, we all took part in this launch. I'm proud of it. And, you know, I'm glad that I can use technology to really announce it too. So I, yeah, I think that's a great idea. That's so awesome. So besides internal marketing, talk us through how you and your team prepare for launches and what does that look like in maybe the final month or week or two, if that's easier for you and your team? 
Yeah. So there's definitely buzz. You know, right now, obviously it looks different, feels different when you're working remote. So you can only kind of see the excitement of that launch through your calendar invites, right? The amount of meetings that are pertaining to that specific launch or just Slack emojis, even when you make different announcements or updates to that specific launch. And I think that kind of in today's world right now, when we're all working remote is the way that we do it is to have those recurring meetings and, you know, make sure that we're posting you know, again, as we mentioned earlier, over communicating, but just from the planning side, we're really making sure that we're meeting with that core go-to-market team. You mentioned, you know, probably similar to your tiger teams with weekly or daily standups. You know, we want to make sure that all teams are ready for the updates or this big announcement or go-to-market launch that we're having. So from support, sales, CS marketing, we're making sure that all the things are in place and the teams are trained and they know what to expect. I think that's probably now how we are doing these launches. Back in the day, you know, we had obviously events and, you know, different types of channels that we would leverage for our launches, but that's kind of changed now that we're all kind of remote and digital. But yeah, I think that you can definitely, it's palpable, the buzz and just the excitement around the teams. And a lot of questions are coming up because probably people, you know, that's when they're really delving a little deeper into what that launch means for them, whatever role they are. So you're manning your Slack channels all the time. I think that's how we make sure that everyone's kind of prepared. And again, that planning part that we talked about earlier becomes critical because we're not doing training two weeks before a launch, right? Right. We're doing it way beforehand. So hopefully in those two weeks leading up to launch, people are feeling more prepared, asking those lingering questions they might have. For bigger launches, we used to have office hours too, where people can just drop into a Zoom, ask some questions. I think that was really helpful because sometimes you can't make the training sessions, enablement sessions, or, you know, launch meetings and having that availability to, you know, open your yourself up to questions and things that might come up or feedback is really important too. So we would have a block on our calendars for like one or two hours for just people to come in and drop in and with anything that might pertain to that specific launch. For sure. I love that. And I think that process and I love the the humility in opening up this time for feedback, this time for answering questions, because there typically are a ton of questions right when the product goes out, right? Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Product marketing is paying a ton of attention to all these details, but your sales team, your CS team, your support team, and so many others across the business beyond just those ones that I've already mentioned are so focused on their day-to-day that they maybe don't have the bandwidth to spend Yep. Six, six plus hours, let's just say, digesting a ton of material. And so getting some of those questions ahead of time, I think really can pave the way for, for a truly successful launch. Totally. Yep. And maybe just a quick follow-up question there is like, does the structure or maybe the makeup of your go-to-market team change throughout the go-to-market process? Like when you're six months away from a launch, for example, versus one month versus two weeks away from a launch, do you like the people included change or, or do you fundamentally keep that fairly consistent throughout the entire process? That's actually a great question. I've really never thought about it. It's just organically actually has changed. And I haven't even really thought about the whys. But for example, I think six months to a year behind before the launch, you know, you're talking more at a leadership level, right? Letting them know, hey, what's coming down the road? Why is this important? You have to, as a manager or leader of your team, effectively communicate this to your own kind of group. But six months to three months leading up to a launch, you're talking to more of like the managers, right? You're talking to more of the 
tactical side of the business. And you're giving them the training materials that are much more effective for the ICs on their team to utilize. And so I think as you move towards this launch, you are working with different people. And I think that's where the flexibility of launch strategy needs to come into play, that you're not just always talking to one person on a specific team, but you really have to understand where the business is needing more you know, training or additional context or background. And I would say even, you know, I mentioned this quite a bit on the support side, but a year before a launch, I don't think you need to get them involved, but hey, three, six months, they're the ones that are going to be, you know, your partner in developing the articles, the how-tos, the guides, right? So really making sure that you have the right people plugged in at the right point of a go-to-market launch is actually a really, really great point that I've actually never just never thought of, but thank goodness we just naturally kind of did, but totally a great call out. Yeah, for sure. Launches are team sport. While the PMM is the quarterback of the launch, to use your analogy from earlier, it truly is kind of a team effort and the quarterback can't throw the ball and also catch it, right? So you need to pull in the right people at the right time and understand kind of what plays you can run. So I wholeheartedly agree. And I also think it's important not to make it too rigid, right? Like Mm -hmm. it can't always be pulling in, you know, maybe the VP of marketing or whomever at a specific point in time, because you're going to need different people depending on what that launch, what the go-to-market effort truly looks like. So I love that. I love the natural way that kind of comes together. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, you know, exactly what you pointed out. It's like a year before you're talking to the VP level, six months down the road, you're talking maybe to like a manager level, a director level, and then three months, two months, one month, you're talking to, you know, kind of the people on the field that are actually going to be the ones that are going to be the channels that you use for your launch too. So yeah, absolutely. So maybe one more question here around launches before we start to wrap up. But I think as a leader, it's a balance between how do we empower and trust people on our team to truly execute specifically these major milestone type launches? Mm-hmm. And how do we also get involved, right? It's, I don't think anybody sets out with a goal of being a micromanager. I certainly don't. It happened to me very early on in, in my own career. And I said, when I get to be a manager and a leader, I will never do that to my employees. But it is a balance, right? If as a leader, you need to ensure that things are headed along the right track. And so how do you balance that across your team? Yeah, I think that's a really important question and definitely something that you learn along the way and that you evolve, right? Manager style. So I think one of the kind of foundational parts of running a team is just communication and transparency. And I think that builds trust. So those are three things that are critical to a functioning, effective team. For me, I make sure that we do weekly check-ins with all the people on my team, that I do weekly check-ins with them. But it's not just about the work. It's about building that relationship so that you're not just, you know, you're building a team where everyone, again, feels like they're part of something bigger and you're not just a manager to employee kind of relationship right? Number two is that beyond that, you have to build a good foundation of product marketing practices, right? So templates for launches, key milestones that you just naturally bake in to these different launches that everyone is aware of, right? And then as new hires come onto the teams, they start seeing the practices of the other product marketers. So they naturally know, okay, that's just part of our launch strategy. But what I love about my team is that they're so proactive about providing me with their go-to-market plans. They're actually the ones that are really good at stakeholder management, you know, and I think that is something, again, might just naturally have come from the fact that we have these templates or, you know, checkpoints, whether it's the reoccurring meetings with other teams or leaders, but they're just naturally able to kind of understand we're in a point of different milestones. Do I need to update grace, right? Or, you know, I'll ask a week in advance, hey, for our 
next one-on-one, let me know like what other go-to-market plans for X, Y, and Z. And, you know, hopefully they're not scrambling to prepare it, but they already have uh, work prepared for it, that they already have their strategy. And we just have a conversation about it. We do share docs so that they share it with me so I can comment. And then the comments really are just about like, I like asking questions versus telling them what to do. And so that becomes a conversation about how do you get into the minds of how they're thinking about things versus just a top down, like, I think this is what we should do. I mean, sometimes there's that, (laughs) but, you know, I really want to make sure that it is a conversation between the two of us or, you know, the team. And then, you know, again, I think we just try to bake in milestones for them to update other leaders in the go-to-market org as well, so that there's visibility and just continuous forward movement on all of these launches. I totally agree, Grace. And yeah, I think it's important to put trust in the senior folks in your team who have gone through the process and evangelize that with, you know, if your team is a mix of, you know, maybe senior folks and more junior folks or even mid-level and Mm -hmm. kind of evangelize that across the board as well. It's an art, I think more so than a science, but it's certainly a mix of both. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. Okay. So I know we're coming up on time here. One question I've been asking all my guests and I'm a pretty avid reader and I really think it's a great way to learn so much about others and about different topics that can impact us as not only you know business leaders, but marketers and product marketers. So curious if there's any books that you've read or maybe podcasts you've listened to recently that have taught you some new things that have had an impact on your day to day. Yeah. So not as avid as a reader as I want to be. I've been trying to read this book, not because it's not good, but it's called The Innovation Stack. And it's by Jim McKelvey, I think from, he's one of the co-founders of Square. It's fascinating, really understanding the origins of how they thought about creating the Square, you know, POS. It's crazy where they, you know, start thinking about these ideas and the evolution. And now it's a hardware that is used globally to make these transactions. So I recommend the innovation stack. It's so fun to read about the product development, the strategy behind it, the innovations that these geniuses just have. But I would say for podcasts, I recently been listening to this podcast called Death at the Wing. It doesn't sound very educational, but it actually is. It's a great podcast that's narrated and produced by Adam McKay. He's the guy behind Step Brothers and the show Succession on HBO. Yeah, It's so entertaining. It's an examination of kind of the effects of politics, drugs and racism to the NBA around the 1980s and 1990s, I think. It's just really fascinating stuff. And it's focused on basketball, but it's also just about the underlining tragedy of that time. So I'm learning a lot. I've been really enjoying that. So I would recommend that. It's not exactly focused on business or product marketing, but I still think it's just a great perspective on American history. For sure. Those are two awesome recommendations, Grace. I will certainly check up with those and I appreciate it. I appreciate so much you being on this podcast and sharing all of this amazing wisdom with me and the guests. Thank you for your time. Anything final that you want to share or how people can maybe find you online or find the content that you're publishing? I equally am appreciative of your time, Jeffrey, and obviously of Sharebird. But I would say it's so rewarding and reassuring listening to these podcasts because you kind of realize as product marketers, we're facing the same challenges, but it's also so rewarding for all of us. And so it's just, again, like I love listening to everyone talk about their day-to-day because you kind of have a sigh of relief and you just think, oh, it's not just me that's going through this, right? So, you know, thank you for your time and interviewing all of these folks in the product marketing field. As I mentioned, I love it. I'm passionate about it. And I'm so excited to see this profession grow and what we can do for organizations. Yeah. So thank you. And, you know, obviously I'm on LinkedIn, so everyone can go and find me. But yeah, thanks again for your time. Thank you so much, Grace. Appreciate it. 
With Clue, you can build and deliver battle plans to help sales close more deals, stay on top of your competitors' strategies, and measure your competitive program's impact to the bottom line. Don't just compete, compete to win.